Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Amy Porterfield, and we're going to talk about what you need to know to get started with Facebook ads. Now, if you've been thinking, all right, all right, maybe I need to spend a little bit of money on Facebook ads, but I just don't understand it, this is the show for you. And if you've been doing Facebook ads and you're like, that's not really working for me, well, this is the show for you. So check it out. Now, before we get to today's show, let me transition over to today's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher, who's got a brand new find. Eric, what did you discover? Before I answer that, I have a question for you, though. All right. (laughs) Have you ever been, and are you still currently, a user of Evernote? Uh, Yes, I use Evernote, but not that frequently. Okay. Now, why is it not something you use frequently anymore? I don't know. I, I, I t- if I'm going to, I use Dropbox more just because mostly I'm sharing documents back and forth. Gotcha. Um, or maybe I'm, you know, Evernote seems to me to be for the really, really long term stuff, and I just don't think to use it that much. That's a perfect way to set this up. So this is Dropbox, or sorry, this is not Dropbox. This is Raindrop. You can see how I got confused. It's called Raindrop. And it functions as an archive slash uh, collection system. It's it's an app. It's a web app. It's a desktop app. It's a mobile app. It's cross-platform. And it's really cool to me because you can drop stuff in there, organize it in certain ways, share it. And the bonus for me is that you have these different visualization what's the word preferences so that you can see you know if you drop links in there you can see the open graph image along with it and the headline or you can switch it up and make it look like pinterest or like small little tweets and then you can you know create collections you can add descriptions tags you can even give a collection like a screenshot so that it stands out really um you know, visually to you. It's just a more visual and cleaner uh, interface than, say, uh, an Evernote, which a lot of people, they start using it and then they give up because Evernote can be used for many, many, many different uses. This one's more of a sharing, collecting, organizing, sharing, and collaborate, collaborating tool. Okay, so it kind of sounds like bookmarks in your browser, right? Um you know, like on a desktop, you mm-hmm. know, how you can right. put a bookmark together and organize all that kind of stuff. But wh- I guess, why would you use something like this instead of just a bookmark? 
because I like the curation aspect of it, being able to drop in a specific link and share that to a specific folder that's shared with, say, other team members. If you're looking for you know good third-party content, you can all drop potential third-party pieces into that. And then everybody can see it and kind of and, and you know vote it up or down or move it around and decide. Yeah, I like this. No, I don't. And it's just that that collaborative aspect to it for me just really gives it a and the visual aspect too, uh, just really give it an, a you know bonus points over Evernote for me. So let's say that um, you know I'm surfing the web on my smartphone and I see something or I get an email in and there's something I want to look at but I don't have time for it. This is a place where you can organize that? Is that what I hear you saying? Yes. Yeah, you would just hit the share sheet stuff on your iOS device or in your Android app and send it right into Raindrop. And you can either drop it into an inbox for general going through later and then organizing or specific places that you have organized like, hey, here's a Facebook article and you can drop it into a Facebook fo- uh, folder or something. Okay, so does this app somehow provide some sort of a button inside of my mail client and, and in the browser so that I can very easily get it, get whatever I want into there? Yes. Is that what you said when you said share sheet? Is that what that is? Yes, that's what the iOS calls the, you know, when you hit share and it gives you all these different options to gotcha. send it different places sharing wise. Gotcha. And then it's, it sounds like it's synchronized via some sort of cloud-based thing and you can log in on your desktop and get access to the same thing just like you can with Dropbox and Evernote. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And um, the collaborative side of it sounds intriguing. Um, so you can invite other people that have Raindrop accounts, I guess, and you guys can all kind of comment on it, or how does that work? Yeah, what you can do is you can, you know, you all sign up for it. It's free. You log in in your favorite places. You just set up like a shared folder or two, and you allow access, you know, like you do with, you know, other services like this, like. Uh, Dropbox and other things where you can have shared places, uh, folders, etc. And you do that in here. And then anytime anybody adds something, you can uh, tag it. You can tag it as something that you know you dropped in or somebody else did. You can even add a little bit of a description. So you can say, hey, I really like this article for such and such. Maybe it's a possible thing we can do in the future. And you can l- write your little mm. comment on top of it. Now, how is this any different than using a private Facebook group? Right, because you can kind of do this in a Facebook group, uh-huh. couldn't you? I think, honestly, Facebook groups. The one downside to them is they um, tend to you can't get into them very easily, right? You can't just say throw this to the Facebook group, right? Right. Yeah. No, you've got to actually open up the app. You've got to you know you've got to do different things to get it in there. First off, but second off, Facebook groups operate under their own kind of news feed as well. It's not you know a, a, a straightforward timeline. So yeah, would, it sounds like yes. you can organize this in ways that you can't yeah. your, your group, right? So the group is just newest at the top. Everything else goes down. But with this, you can create all sorts of, it sounds like folders and, and, and subcategories, right? Exactly. Cool. Well, it sounds really intriguing. Where do we find out more about it? You go to raindrop.io. And that's where you get started. It is free. It's got all these different apps, desktop, mobile, et cetera, cross-platform. Check it out. Eric Fisher, thank you so much for sharing that new find with us. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. 
We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. With that, let's transition over to today's expert interview. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by my good friend, Amy Porterfield. If you don't know who Amy is, she's co-author of the book, Facebook Marketing, All-in-One for Dummies. She's also host of the very popular online marketing made it easy podcast, which I strongly recommend. And way back in the day, she was a Facebook community manager for this company called Social Media Examiner. Amy, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Every time I think about that, it feels like a lifetime ago, but it was really where I got my start. So it's always a good memory. It's pretty crazy. So um, let's start with a little bit of your story. Um, Talk to us about how you got into social media and then ultimately how you got into Facebook. So I got into social media while I was still working in the corporate world. I worked for Tony Robbins for about six and a half years as the director of content development. So I got to travel the world with Tony and and work on the content that he did on stage. And while I was there in that last year, he got heavily into social media. So he took Twitter by storm and it was really cool because he did his own Twitter and a new way to connect with people. And that just blew me away. And then I got to dabble with Facebook. So I got to work on his Facebook page and um, I got to meet with Mari Smith actually and sit down and say, what do you think about this page we created for Tony's uh, business? And she gave us some tips. And that's actually when she mentioned, hey, you should talk to my friend, Mike Stelzner. So that's how that whole world came together. But my first intake with, you know, all things social media was, well, I was still with corporate fell in love with Twitter and Facebook and social media. And I got that entrepreneurial bug. I knew I wanted to go out on my own. I just didn't know what the heck I would do. So when I started dabbling with social media, I thought this is the area I need to go with. And um, I started studying early mornings, late at nights, asked to be involved in everything online marketing and social media while I was with Robbins. And I finally took the leap about a year after I started dabbling in it. And I took on some clients and left corporate. And from there, I've kind of never looked back. My business looks very different today. I started doing social media consulting, which is why I got to be your community manager. That was kind of part of that whole world I was in at the time. And I was doing social media for other people, which was a great way to start because I had to get my feet wet and I had to get in the trenches. And then from there, I eventually felt like it took forever, but I eventually started to build a business around online training courses related to social media, online marketing. And that's what my business looks like today. The funny thing is that you and I first connected not because of social media, but because of white papers, right? Yes. It was via social media that we connected though. 
It was. And, and that's when Mari said, you know, you need to check out Mike Stelzner because we needed someone to write a white paper for Tony's, um, an event he was doing. We wanted to start promoting it through a white paper. So as you know, that's how we connected and went back and forth for a while to do this a fantastic white paper you wrote. But then that's right around the time that you started talking about social media examiner. So it just kind of worked out so perfectly. Yep. And I think we were one of your one of your earlier clients, for you sure. You were my very first client. Yes. That <laughs> I remember was a going deal. to Blog World and being surrounded by all these crazy people. <laughs> we have to talk about that just really quick. Go so, ahead. Mike hired me to go to Blog World with him, and I would be like the roundup person. I would round up all these internet or social media experts so Mike could interview them on video for Social Media Examiner, which was just getting up and running in those early days. We were like three so, days old. Three days old. And so you did like, I might be exaggerating, but it felt like 20 interviews over two days. And I would literally be rounding up these people, chasing them down, bringing them over and and getting them all ready for your interviews. And that's how I met all these people. I remember meeting Darren Rouse and Chris Garrett. Like I was starstruck. It was a really cool experience. It was funny because we... um we had a dinner, if you recall, and there was a bunch of people there. Remember, Lewis yes. House was there and Darren yep. Rouse and Chris and everything. And you're all, oh, I don't know. I'm it surrounded by all these high profile people. <laughs> and now I you're now you're now yesterday. you're their peers. <laughs> so bizarre. So I mean, I ended up partnering with Lewis on a big project I did. I can't even believe that kind of stuff happens. But I really do say it's the power of getting out there and meeting people and putting yourself out there. It makes a big difference. Well, you know, kudos to you for um, all that you accomplished. And I know that uh, we feel like just two friends talking right now, but of yes. course, lots of people are listening to this dialogue. <laughs> but, but everybody, I just want you to know the backstory on Amy. It just goes to show you, you never know. Like, I don't think Amy thought when she left corporate America that she would write a book on Facebook and be never. one of the leading Facebook experts. I, I just know you didn't think that. No. And it's just amazing to see where you've gone. So I'm very excited. Well, um, let's talk about Facebook ads a little bit. Um, you know, I know that you have been doing a lot of work and a lot of teaching on Facebook ads. And, um, you know, this episode of the podcast is really all about getting started with Facebook advertising. Um, let's start with, first of all, you know, a lot of people are questioning whether they should even get into Facebook advertising. Why use Facebook ads? What are your thoughts on that? Let's just start there. So my thoughts on why you should use Facebook ads really focuses on the fact that Facebook has done a lot of work to help marketers find their perfect ideal audience online. And so the targeting capabilities on Facebook are far beyond advanced in terms of relating it to any other social media site out there. So you can get in front of your perfect ideal audience on a regular basis on Facebook. And right there, knowing that the right people are seeing your message and you're not spamming, you're not wasting your money. It's definitely just that fact alone. It's worth it to explore Facebook advertising, the targeting in itself. Um, elaborate a little bit on just, you know, we're not going to go deep into the targeting thing, but just kind of help people understand the kinds of targeting you can do on Facebook that you can't do necessarily like on Google, which is, I know a lot of people listening probably are familiar with how Google works. Right. Um, what kind of targeting can you do? 
Okay, so let's just break it down a little bit. There's a lot of options you can go for. To start out really simple, if you've built up a Facebook page, let's say you have a few thousand fans, you want to target your Facebook fans. It's the cheapest way to target on Facebook because you don't pay as much when you're targeting your own fans versus let's say a cold audience. So you definitely wanna start with targeting your own Facebook fans. Now, the next thing you can do is you can create a lookalike audience with your fans. So you can say, okay, Facebook, I've got these fans. I want more people just like them. I worked really hard to get these fans. I want to target more people that are really similar in likes, interest, um, activity, behavior on Facebook. So Facebook will actually, for free, give you an audience that's very similar to the one you've already attracted. So that's a lookalike audience with your own fan base. In addition to that, if you've started to grow your email list, you can upload your email list to Facebook. They won't do anything with that list except compare it to their um, database And when they do that, when they find a match, I always say they kind of like put that contact in a bucket. So as many matches as you can make, you've got a bucket now of all the people already on your email list that you can target with, let's say, a new opportunity. Now you can do the same thing that I explained with your fans. You can take that list of your email list and say, okay, Facebook, give me a lookalike audience. Go find a lot more people like the ones that are already on my email list. I want to get in front of them as well. So that's four ways just right away that you can target. Now, one of my favorite ways to target is to target other Facebook pages. So you're targeting the fans of those other Facebook pages, either your competitors or people that are really aligned with what you're doing in your business. The reason why I don't say that one first is I've noticed people that are just starting out, they struggle to find Facebook pages that pop up. Now, here's what I mean. When you go to put together your ad, you'll see a section that says interest. And in interest, when you're setting up your ad and you're putting on in your targeting, you type in, let's say, Amy Porterfield, and my page likely will pop up and you can target my fans. Now, there's a lot of pages that won't pop up. Facebook says it has to do with trending and activity and engagement and how many fans you have, but they're very vague, just like they are about many things, about why some pages will pop up and you can target them and a whole bunch of pages won't pop up and you can't target them. So I love that and I I love that strategy and I think you should focus and try to find, let's say, five pages that will pop up for you that you can target their fans. It's a really powerful way to target. I do it every single day, but you've got to really dig deep to find those pages. Usually the bigger, more engaged pages will pop up for you. So that's another way. There's a whole bunch of ways, but those are kind of the core ways. Okay. So I want to zoom in on two things here. First of all, um, you said at the outset that the targeting of your Facebook page fans is the most economical thing. So this is a good argument for growing your fan base, right? Because just putting a Facebook like box or whatever the heck they call that, or some sort of widget on your website that allows people with the click of a button to like your page um, could benefit you down the road because that will be an economical way to target um, your fans. And then as far as the email thing, I know that a lot of people are thinking, well, why wouldn't in the world would I pay Facebook when I already own my email? And um, just a couple thoughts on this. Um, not everybody opens your emails. And a lot of times you get things get stuck in spam filters. And, and when you think out of the box on emails, you could email your entire email newsletter up there, or you could just segment people who bought product X or product Y, right, Amy? Exactly. And, and you can set up these different audiences. Like for example, people that bought a ticket to social media marketing world versus people that bought a ticket to social media success summit. One's way more expensive than the other. So you could create these audiences on Facebook 
And you could still send them an email, but also target them on Facebook. And that way you're going to get them hopefully in both places, right? Yeah. But I know we're going to talk about this, but the messaging in your ad, you know, you can get really specific with it depending on who they are on your email list. Like you said, if they bought this product and you want them to sign up for this webinar, well, you can reference the product they already have, or you can reference something about them based on if you've done a good job of segmenting. So it's a really cool way to get the perfect message in front of the perfect person. And I know we're not going to get into this, but what I think is the coolest part of Facebook is the remarketing side of it, right? Okay. So we got to talk about that just really All shortly. Right. Yeah, at least. go ahead. Okay. So one of my favorite ways to target as well is something called, like Mike said, retargeting. And here's how I explain it, especially someone just starting out. So what you can do is you can place a little piece of pixel on, let's say your website, and you can get down to the specific blog post you wanna post it on. So you put this pixel there, and then let's say you start driving traffic to your blog. And whether you use Facebook ads to drive traffic or however people are getting there, if they're falling on that blog post, Facebook can then track that person. And if they also have a Facebook ad account, they put them in that little bucket that you've created. So now you have a bucket of, these are the people that visited this very specific blog post. And I can then retarget them with, let's say a webinar related to that blog post topic or a product related to that blog post topic. So you can get very specific, but if you drive traffic to some place, an opt-in page, a website, a blog post, you can then retarget the people that visited those pages through your Facebook ads. To me, that is probably the coolest way you can target. <coughs> Excuse me. What we do... Um is let's just take our Social Media Success Summit, which is active right now. Um, we target all the people who have visited any page on our summit, but have not visited the thank you page, yes. which, which means that they've been a purchaser, right? And, yep. um, and, and what we do is we have typically sales and we let them know, hey, in case you missed out, the sale is ending this Friday kind of thing. So there are people who have essentially looked around and abandoned for whatever reason. And that's been very economical for us. I, okay. I love that. And let me add to that. What we do as well is when I do a lot of webinars and if we drive traffic to our webinar registration page, but they don't opt in because they never hit our thank you page, like thanks for signing up for the webinar. You can set it up like Mike said inside the ad dashboard where they hit my webinar page, but they never signed up because they never hit that confirmation page. Get in front of them again with an ad saying last chance to sign up for the webinar. That has increased our registrations tenfold. That's so cool. All right. Now yeah. let, let's let's break it down. Now that everybody is like, wow, okay, I get it. Especially those of you who've never done this before. Um, let's talk about graphics inside of ads. Um, yes. You know, lay it out. What do we need to do? So I have some new discoveries that I've been playing with lately, and this is definitely great for newbies. So I've always taught that when you create a graphic for your Facebook ad, you know, if you're your own personal brand, maybe you want to put a picture of yourself in the ad and then some text to make it colorful. And that works really well, especially for me, because I've been in the business for a while, but I have a business coach. His name is Todd Herman, and he actually started using Facebook ads for the first time. And he got in front of people that just didn't know him yet, but he knew they wanted his topic about how to 10 X your business. So he tested ads. Some had his picture in them with like some text around how to 10X your business. And some just were colorful with just text and graphic. And he, what he found is the ads that were simpler without his face in them did so much better because he said, Amy, people don't know me yet. And I was going for a cold audience that who, they didn't care who I was. They wanted the content. And so what I found is that if you're really new and maybe people just don't know you or your brand yet, 
run with the content. What are you promising them? And I always say, set up ads to drive traffic to get more leads or drive traffic to, let's say, a blog post to give value. I like to use ads in that way. So let the let the ad graphic speak for itself. Now, there's something to be said about that. You can only have 20% text in an ad graphic. I hate that. <laughs> I know. It's so ridiculous. So there's a great tool out there. I use a pretty link because it's easy to find, but it's a Facebook tool. So if you go to amyporterfield.com forward slash grid tool, G-R-I-D-T-O-O-L, it takes you to the Facebook page where you can actually upload your image and just make sure there's not more than 20%. I kind of push it a little and go for 30%. You're just clicking boxes where your text is and, and they'll tell they'll you. sometimes they'll approve it and sometimes they won't, right? Exactly. So I kind of push it sometimes. Um. We should probably mention that there's different kinds of ads, right? So you've got the sidebar ad, mm, and then you've got yes. the newsfeed ad, and then you've got the mobile ad, which I think is similar. But tell us kind of like, yep. you know, some of these have different size images. So what's your thoughts on, on, on that? Yes. So what you can do is when you're setting up your ad, if you have a really small budget, what I always say is let's start with the newsfeed ad, the ad that appears in the newsfeed that looks like a Facebook post. And so if you start there, when you're inside of Facebook, they'll tell you the exact um, dimensions of your ad. 1200 by 628 is what I go for, for the newsfeed ad. And that always works really well. But Mike's right, you've got the sidebar ad and then you have mobile ad that's going to appear a little bit differently than it would on a desktop. So you've got mobile newsfeed and desktop newsfeed. The great thing is I like to run both desktop and mobile newsfeed and that's really where I spend the bulk of my money. But when you set up the ad, when you're setting it up in the dashboard, you'll see a preview and you'll see what your ad looks like as mobile and what it looks like as desktop. And as long as that looks good for you and those images specs I gave you should work for both, um, as long as it looks good, you're good to go, but you can preview it first. Um, something we've learned, and, and I've got somebody who manages this stuff for me, but I'm kind of a data nerd. We've learned that um, the mobile stuff is more expensive than the desktop stuff. Have you found that to be true? Um, it, I found it to vary for sure. But have you also found that you get a bigger hit for mobile than desktop? It depends because see, I, I think this, and this is the advice I think that we should talk through a little bit. What are you selling? You see, in our case, yes. we're typically selling thousand dollar plus ticket to our physical conference. And we know that someone is not going to register from their iPhone. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. So we were able to track and determine we're not going to do the mobile because we're just throwing money away because they're just not making that kind of an expensive decision from their mobile device. They're going to do it from their desktop. So, you know, depending on what you're selling, you might want to experiment with it. I think if you're just doing a free webinar, I'm sure it probably doesn't matter. Right, Amy? Correct. I do a lot of webinars, like I said, and the bulk of people that are signing up are through mobile, which is something you got to think about. If you're going to run mobile ads and let's say you want people to sign up for a free giveaway, some a cheat sheet or a webinar, whatever it might be, make sure that registration page is mobile responsive. I've seen a lot of ads where I click on it and it takes me to a page that I can hardly even see the opt-in box. And then you're wasting a whole bunch of money. But go. Mike, if you don't mind, I have a quick question for you about your strategy there. Yep. You're running ads directly to a sales page? Remarketing. So um, people that visit our conference website that don't sign up, we remarket That's to them right. on Facebook. Okay. And so, I think that's and, important to mention. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The, the fact that Mike's not necessarily going after a cold audience and running traffic to a sales page, which I pretty much teach against most of the time because people on Facebook are not likely to buy directly from an ad, especially not a $1,000 event. 
But the way Mike is having success with that is he's targeting people that have already shown a true interest in what he's selling. And that's when going directly to a sales page is a whole different ballgame. Just wanted to point that out. Yep. And we've also found that the sidebar stuff actually is very economical, um, more economical than everything else. Um, at least that's what we found. You know what I mean? I've heard that. Yes. And, and I think, you know, I, people I talk- ignore it. That's why, you know, I mean like, exactly. and in our case, we just want our brand to be out there all the time. Yes. So they see it everywhere. And then eventually they sign up, you know? It's so true. And when you're just getting started with Facebook ads, the, the name of the game is experimentation. You definitely want to experiment. Maybe those sidebar ads will blow your socks off versus the newsfeed mobile. That's not how it is for me but for other people it is. So you've definitely got to kind of figure out what works best for you, just like anything in marketing. Let's talk text. Um, yes. You know, uh, what are the limitations? What's the best practices? Um, talk to so me. I've got, I've got some new tips for that as well. So what we found recently is when you are creating the text for your ad, and I'm talking about the text above the image, you can also add a headline below the image and a little description, but the bulk of the most important text you're going to do for your ad is right above the image. And with that text, try this as an experiment, lead with an obvious yes question. So here's an example. Let's say you have a program to help people break their addiction to sugar. So your obvious yes question might be, have you struggled to break your addiction with sugar? Question mark. And then you just say something like, if if that's you, I'm kind of making this up, um, don't hesitate to grab our free cheat sheet about XYZ where we'll walk you through it to make it a smooth transition or whatever it might be. But you're starting with an obvious yes. So you get them to pay attention and get them to answer. And once you've got their attention, tell them exactly what to do. This kind of setup with text has proven to be really successful. Hey, now, Amy, real, real yeah. quick, if anybody wants to see this in action, just open any article on Social Media Examiner because we always open with those kinds of questions. Okay, so that's perfect example. Yes, I love that. You and know? you can kind of use those as models for crafting questions for your ad. So let me ask you this question. This question. Do you lead with the question, not with a headline? You know, so like um, you literally open with a question, like in an article, obviously you've got a big headline and then a question. But right. in this case, we're just opening with a question. Yep. And then underneath there, um, if yes, then do this action. Some kind of call to action. Yeah. So is it typically two sentences at all? And then you put a graphic or do you yeah. put a link or what comes next? You know. So what we're seeing is, so let's say your question is one, and this is really specific, but it's important. So let's say your question is just one sentence. I would do the one sentence and then a space. And then the next word, you want a little white space in that text. So it's not like so a, overwhelming. Like a return kind return, of Return, yep. hit return. Yep. And then let's say two sentences to tell them exactly what to do. And either you want to include the link after that, or in your sentence, it might be like, click, click below to find out da, da, da. Cause when they click the image, they go right to where you want them to go. So however you want to word that you can or cannot include the link, it doesn't, I haven't seen it make a big difference as long as you're telling them exactly what to do. Yeah. And I think the key here, like you're talking about with white space is instead of making it one chunky paragraph, make it very simple so that they can just progress down through the ad and otherwise their mind just might go over and they might not even read the text. I mean, and you don't have a lot of room in the graphic for the text, right? So yep. this is really the key. Um, is there like a, can you put tons of text and does it allow you to take up? I mean, there must be a limit and okay. then there's a more thing, right? 
Great question. So there's two two responses to that. So there's only so much you can get in there before it's going to close, you know, you have to collapse it by hitting more like Mike said. And so you can't get a lot in there. But one thing that I teach is you can set up your ad either in the ads dashboard, so the ad creator tool, or the power editor, which if you've dabbled at all with ads, you know, there's two ways to set up ads. I often teach my newbies to go just into the ads creator tool because it's a lot easier for sure. However, the one reason I don't love it is you only get 90 characters. So 90 characters of text versus you can go on and on in the, um, the power editor. I don't even know what the limit is. It's so much. So if you did want to be a little bit wordier for one reason or another, you're not going to be able to use that 90 character in the ads creator tool. But I will say one more thing about text. And that is if you've ever seen an ad running from um, one of my programs, I have a webinar running every single day and it's a funnel that we've created and it's a lot of text. And I created it probably in January. And so it's I still almost like it. a, it's almost like a little sales page when they hit the more button, they get more stuff, right? A lot. Yes. It tells you exactly what's in the webinar and why you should join. The reason I haven't changed it based on these new findings is because that is working for me. And that's something you've really got to own with ads. I know what's working for you and then don't change everything because you hear some advice here or there. I'm going to give you a bunch of options today, but you still have got to experiment. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. Do they charge you to if someone clicks that more button? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if, yes. they, if they don't, if they don't, question. then I could see the two sentences, the link, and then some more data for the unsold person. And if they don't charge you to hit that more button to see more, you know, I would think that that would be an added value of using the power editor to create that ad because, you know, you can essentially put your entire content that would be on your registration page for your webinar right there. You know what I mean? So true. I, Mike, I am not positive. That's something that I have to look up. I do not think they charge you for clicking that more button. That gotcha. would be bizarre. Now, I know a lot of people are wondering, well, what happens if someone shares my ad? Do I have to pay for that? Yes. Do I have to? So, so all act. Okay. So, um, another question I think a lot of people have is, well, you know, I just did a post on Facebook on my page and mm-hmm. am I better off putting some money behind that and boosting it or creating an ad? I love this question. So I am not a huge fan of boosting a post. And the reason for that is because when you set up an ad from scratch, you have some more flexibility and options than you would if you were setting it up on your Facebook page. One perfect example is when you set up an ad in the ads creator tool or the power editor, you get to choose if you want a button in that ad, a button like watch now or, um, download or click. I forget all the options. Where does the button show up? Is it under the graphic? It shows up below the graphic. Yep. Okay. And that will not happen if you are setting up just an ad on your page and then you boost it. Also, your targeting is limited. It's getting better as a boosted post, but you're still limited. So here's when I would boost a post. Once in a while, I'll just want something just really quick to get out there. Like I'm going to jump on Periscope soon and I posted on that on my Facebook page and I thought I'll just boost this a little just to give it a little extra. Put like 10 bucks behind it or something? Yes, something really small. But when I'm serious about my ads and I'm looking to grow my email list and make more sales, I'm doing it the right way inside the creator tool or inside the power editor. Let's talk dollars because some people want to know what kind of money they should put behind their ads. I mean, what what wisdom would you share? So the wisdom I share is this. When you're first starting out, I would put $5 per each ad set. Now, it gets a little complicated in terms of when you set up an ad, you set up a campaign and then an ad set and then an ad. And inside a campaign, you can have multiple ad sets. 
So each ad set, just think of it as an actual ad, has its own budget. So for each ad set, let's say you wanted to set up two, I would put $5 to both of those. That's the reason per I'm, day or that's flat? Per day. Okay. Per day. And the reason I do that is just to make sure it's running properly. It's going to the right place. You're just kind of making sure everything's working. Once it gets going and you look at your analytics and you're thinking, okay, I've gotten a few leads from that, then you can boost it up a bit. But I like to start out really slow. Ideally, the way I teach it is if we can get $20 a day, get up to $20 a day for, let's say, a period of time. If you can go a week, that would be amazing. You've got to give your ad a little bit of time to work for you. A lot of my students will get going. It's been running for 24 hours and they'll say, it's not working. Nothing. This isn't working for me. I'm not getting any leads with this ad. And I'll say, okay, we've got to give this time. I like to give it at least 72 hours to get in there. And actually what you'll see is your cost per lead. Let's say if you're running ads to get leads will be pretty high. Let's say six, $7 a lead. And then after that 24 hour period, you'll see it go down. And so you have to give it time to just kind of find that balance. So let it go for at least 72 hours before you make any decisions. But also, if you are on a small budget, which a lot of people I talk to are, tell yourself, okay, I'm going to run an ad for, let's say, seven days. My goal is this. I'm shooting for X, Y, Z. Like, get really clear why you're running this ad. And then you can see if it's working for you based on those goals you set. Yeah. And, you know, in our case, we're doing remarketing and we, we, we know we're willing to spend like up, up to a hundred dollars per, you know, acquisition as we call it, the cost cost per acquisition. So it's very easy for us. And we tend to run these campaigns, seven day campaigns based on sales that we're having. So we'll just look at the total number of um, conversions that we get and we'll compare that, you know, to the total cost and we'll divide it. And if it's less than a hundred dollars, we know it's working. And if it's more than $100, we know we got to change something. Exactly how we do it. And and I will say when you're just starting out, you know, spending time to figure out that number is definitely really, really valuable. Might be a headache at first, but knowing that number like Mike, the $100 is priceless when it comes to success with ads. Let's say that um, in the beginning, our, we've got some ads and they're working and we're very happy what do we need to be watching for? How do we know when it's time to change up our ads? You know what I mean? Or said another way, yes. how do we know when it's not working anymore? If we're, because I would imagine you could just think it's always going to keep working and get a bill and not even pay attention to it and it could <laughs> stop working, right? Right. Definitely. These days, I'm lucky enough like you to have somebody to help me with my ads. But for many years, it was just me running my ads. And when I run ads, I would check it every single day. It doesn't have to take forever to check it, but you do want to keep your eye on that. Now, and you also want to have a daily budget so you feel really good about that. So here's how you know if your ad's working or not. There's, I don't pay attention to all those metrics. It's just too much and it's really not necessary. What I pay most close attention to is cost per lead or in Mike's um, situation, cost per sale. So if I usually try to keep my lead under $5, $5 a lead or less. And if your lead is around $5 and you can afford that, if it makes sense to your business, you're doing pretty good. Back in the day, we would have 50 cent leads. It's just not happening at, on an average anymore. So I say between a dollar and $5 per lead, you're doing really well. And so if you can keep it between the a dollar and five dollars, I say keep your ad going. There's no need to change anything if you feel that it's working for you. Like I said, I've had the same ad image, ad text, everything the same since January. And we make $3,000 a day right now on that ad campaign. And so if it's working for you, there is no need to change it. But if you're not happy with, let's say, your cost per lead, well, here's one tip for you. Start out with, let's say, the image. 
and let it run for the next three days and see what happens. If that doesn't change anything, then change the text. You want to go step by step and not change everything at once. You'll never know what's working. I'll say one more thing about that. And although I mentioned the image and the text, really where I would start is with your targeting. Usually, if you do a lot of homework with targeting, making sure you're getting in front of the right people, that's going to get your cost per lead down considerably. I've seen once you run an ad, you know, as a post, you know, it looks like a post, but you don't, you can't get to it very easily. So the question is, how in the world do we respond to comments when people have comments on our ads, right? Because this looks, it looks just like a post and people will ask questions, but like, how do you respond if you don't even know how to get to the ad, right? Okay. So this is a great question. Yes. So when you set up your ad, you can go in and you can get the, you can click to get the URL of an ad. Every single ad has a unique URL. And so you'll find that when you're setting up your ad. And when you do that, then you keep that URL. And what I do, I have a VA and I give the URL to my VA and I said, please just check this every day. So it's you're- only there when you're setting it up. And once you've launched it, you can't get to it, right? Once it's, once it's launched, you can still get to it. It's tricky though. Oh, so, you know, and on a podcast, it's so hard to explain. So yep. I would make it a practice that when you're setting up your ad, once you launch it, get that URL. And basically you're clicking through on the dashboard till you click through on the ad till you get to kind of like the final place you can click and you're going to get a URL. And you should monitor it, right? Because people yes. are going to ask you questions and if you don't respond to it, you're going to look not so good, right? Or you might have spam stuff on there and you might not even realize it, right? And they can you're try- definitely going to have spam. I get spam a lot. And so we ban people or delete it or whatever. They're either posting to kind of get all, the, I have a lot of um, engagement on that one ad because it's been running so long. So they think they're going to get advertising from it. It's really silly, but also, yeah, people are asking questions and you want to make sure like for me, I'm marketing a webinar. So we'll get questions like, Amy, I signed up for the wrong time. How do I change that? And that's the kind of stuff we want to get in front of. Well, um, Amy, we've just scratched the surface of what can happen with Facebook advertising. Tell everyone where they can discover more about you and some of the products that you've got coming out in the future. Well, thanks so much. So you can find me at amyporterfield.com. And one of my signature programs is the Profit Lab. And I do it two times a year. It's coming up in early October. So if you're on my list, you'll definitely get information about that. But it's all about how to build a social media sales funnel with a focus on Facebook. So I get really deep into Facebook advertising to grow your email list and make more sales online. So thanks so much for asking. And the Profit Lab, does it have its own website or do you just go to Amy Porterfield and they can find out about it? amyporterfield.com forward slash profit lab. Awesome. Amy Porterfield, Facebook expert extraordinaire. Thank you so much for joining me today and illuminating me and many of our listeners on the value of Facebook advertising. And thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's show. If there's anything that we mentioned and you just didn't catch it, don't worry. We take all the notes for you. You simply go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash 163. That stands for episode 163. If you're new to the show, hit that subscribe button so you do not ever miss a future episode of this podcast. Got some great stuff coming in the future for you. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.
Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.